0: This podcast is brought to you by The Ultimate Lettering Quiz. Find out just how much you really know about letters by taking the quiz for free on martinafraudcom slash quiz. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flora, and in this show, I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. My guest today is Jordan Metcalf. Jordan is a South African born, Portland based graphic designer, creative director, and artist. After over a decade of independently designing brands and exploring new ways to help tell stories through diverse and experimental lettering projects for clients like Nike, Apple, National Geographic and others, he made the move to a full-time position in a brand studio in 2019 to focus on larger scale projects and collaborations. He currently spends his days as a creative director helping craft identities, spaces, and experiences for projects ranging from independent hotels to animation studios. He invests his free time getting dusty while trying to become a less amateur woodworker. In this conversation with Jordan, you will hear about his unique creative path that starts as a graphic designer for small studios to becoming one of the top lettering artists of our time and working alone to take in a different position in his professional life and joining a team. He shared how he found direction for his creative career by using experimentation and curiosity while staying humble and detached from his work. What I especially loved about this show is how Jordan steered the conversation toward other important aspects of a creative career which have to do with solid values, honesty and empathy for the people you work with and for. Enjoy this conversation with Jordan Metcalf. Hi Jordan, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Hello Martina. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to chat to you. Um, yeah, I think we've spoken about this a bit before, but it, uh, it feels like I've known your work for a long time and never really met you in real life. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And it's. Uh, I think this is one of the things I love the most about the podcast is that I get to talk to people that I've been following for a long time and suddenly we are just you know sitting and chatting for an hour and you have such a rich path as a creative Jordan and if my research is correct because I always do research for my for (laughs) my episodes um, your journey starts as a graphic designer in South Africa then you saw success with typography and became one of the top lettering artists out there. And most recently, you have gone from working solo to become more of a creative director, like managing um, managing bigger projects in Portland, uh, the US, right? And we will definitely dive deeper into the different aspects of your creative journey. But before that, I normally like to start with a strong question that will hopefully open a lot of different windows of conversation and the question is how does someone turn something they enjoy doing or they are interested in into their job or their main occupation and imagine that an artist that is just starting is listening to this show which is normally the case really um, and they love doing illustration or they love doing lettering or whatever it is that they love doing and they want to do that full-time and make a living of it what will be some of the advice that you will give to someone that is just studying that will clear up their way or save them some of the struggle wow um
1: that's a huge question um yeah i mean obviously i, th- I think you know you and i are probably both aware that there's no um silver bullet like there's no one way to to do it there's no one way to success so much of it about it is um if i'm being honest it's probably luck and where you happen to be and the time you happen to be doing it in but i think uh yeah i mean i think you know especially now in the world just with the with the internet i think um you know it's so easy to show people the things you love and that you're good at and um i think people respond to that you know we live in a world where i think Everyone's kind of cynical. There's there's a lot of stuff that's that's not made with particular integrity or passion, um, mm. and I think the world really does, you know, or people maybe not the world as as large, but like people respond to that. You know, people respond to something that feels honest and and sort of um, and real and inspired by by something someone loves. And I see this all the time. I think you and I, you know, we exist in this world of digital arts and you know sort of commercial. Uh, design work and that kind of stuff but i mean i love finding people that are just you know living in small towns who have been making a living carving you know cups for their whole life or whatever and and just you know like following something that they just love doing every day um and just putting it out there and i think people people see that i think there's people respond to craft so i would say firstly um maybe to step back i would i would say anyone wanting to do what they love for money should also think about whether they really want to do what they love for money, or whether mm. they want to do it for love. Because um, mm. I think that can also uh, have its consequences that you don't necessarily see um, in the short term. But I would say if you if you do, you know, see that as your path and your passion, I think the one way to do it is just to um, to do it in a way that that it feels real. Like I, I like I said a lot. Um, you know, I think we we have this thing where I think uh, Instagram requires us to make work in a certain way to be viewed and to be visible. And, um, I think that's certainly not a path to it, honestly, because you end up just aggregating towards what, um, what I think, you know, gets the most hits and that's not always what you're going to be good at or particularly, um, uniquely bring to the world. So I don't know, I guess just just doing, doing the thing you love and doing it over and over again. Um, and you know putting it in front of people and hoping they see it for what it is um and not for what you know the world has told you it needs to sort of curate be
0: yeah um there's so many things that i want to ask you about this but i first want to touch on what you just mentioned which is, is so true um you know first there's this question of whether you want to turn something you enjoy doing and you love whether you really want to turn it into a job because that has its consequences and i wonder you know i wonder for those i mean but it also i also think that it makes sense for someone who is just studying and is really in love with what they do and they enjoy doing it that they they're looking forward to do that more and more and to do it for yeah. a living and to even get more projects that are exciting for them. Right? So I totally understand, you know, being one of those people who initially was in love with what they were doing and they, you know, turn that into a job. Um, I can totally understand the motivation behind trying to turn something mm. or a skill of yours or something you enjoy doing or a hobby into a full-time job. Right? So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what are some of the things that someone who wants to turn a skill or a hobby into a job, what are some of the things that they would need to have into account in order not to lose that spark and not to lose that enjoyment for that job, right? What are some of the things that you you have done in your own path as an artist and designer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I was, uh you know, I, I think similarly to a lot of people who started out when I was starting out, I think a lot of it just came from discovery and I think mm-hmm. an enthusiasm to, to learn and figure things out and to yeah. make something new. And I think, um, you know, when I was doing a lot of lettering work, I, th- I think I kind of had this like no style or style approach, which I think is what kept me interested in it. I think every every project I did, everything I took on, I I really wanted to try something new and try something sort of, you know, to be a little inventive and not necessarily to be in for the purpose of innovation, but just, I think, make myself interested in it, you know? And that's, I think that's how I started out. was really just, it was experimental, figuring things out, learning something new and getting excited by the results. And so for me, I think I, I stayed excited about it and passionate about it because I felt like a lot of what I was doing, you know, Mm -hmm. job to job, was something a little new and I was kind of exploring something interesting and exploring something unique. And that, and that's really what I was getting out of it. A lot of the time was just, um, an end result that, you know, when I was starting out, I couldn't necessarily have predicted what the results would be. Mm. And I know that's different for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people um, take a bit more of a classic illustrator's approach to, to design where they really define a style and an identity that's very unique to them. And, you know, that's what they love doing. They love kind of, um, mm they're like bringing an aesthetic that they feel like they can own and sort of, um, really embody. And, and that's kind of an approach. And I think that can be really, um, I think that can be really valuable for people too. Mm. But I think, you know, maybe the main thing is finding, finding the ways in which creating actually brings you joy mm. and that doesn't have to be universal for anyone. I think it's different for everyone, but I think that's the thing that keeps you excited about it. Um, what is it about the process that you actually enjoy doing? what kind of work do you enjoying enjoy doing what kind of people do you want to work for what what do you want to put into this world versus take out of it um, mm. you know I think I think those are all the big questions for me I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in who pays the most money or or just what's like the blue chip client you know like everyone likes to talk about what's the dream job but you know I think it's that I think should just be different for everyone. You know, I think, um, yeah, I I guess that's the point really. It's just, I don't think there's one way it's really just figuring out what it is that motivates you and, um, and following that. And I think another part of that that I've discovered is also, I think taking stock, like over time, I think it's really easy to get almost, um, wrapped up in it and Mm -hmm. and the momentum of it, you know, and, and sort of you, you, you start to get jobs and you get more jobs and then you're busy. And then, and then suddenly it's like five, 10 years later and you're like, wow, this isn't what I was expecting. Um, Mm. and I think that that's a gift, but I think it's important to also just take pause. Sometimes and go like, am I still enjoying this part of the job? Am I still um, excited about this? Is there stuff I want to like change or bring in new? What is, what maybe is my new, I don't know, what is my biggest set now versus what it was five years ago? Um, just to make sure you like, you're not just kind of getting swept along um, in a career.
0: That's so interesting. It's like making an audit of your own work and your own career, right? Have you ever yeah. done that for yourself? Have you ever, uh, or have you oh gone through a couple of those? <coughs> I mean, every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean this this happens to me, and I think um, I think I'm saying this from from at least my personal experience of of lettering i think particularly mm. almost happened to me you know i think um you can get into the whole history of maybe how i got into that if you want but i think i started out we will we will <laughs> 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 i just started out at a time when it wasn't um, really an established trend so i was like early in the game and so a lot of it was just like this what felt like uncharted territory to some degree and mm. And that luck of being there at that time meant that I just got so much work at the right time because I just happened to be there, whatever the thing was. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it, it feels like it sort of happened to me and I was excited to be there. But definitely there came a point where I was just like, I had to, to sort of pause and go okay, like, hey, cool. Like, am I still really enjoying this? Because mm-hmm. again, when you know my particular work is really predicated on on being experimental and having that enthusiasm... Uh, for experimentation you know when some of that enthusiasm lies down it's it's a little harder to to really bring your full energy and effort to things and so i just think it's important i th- I think this sounds like tripe but I, th- I think you know we're also in a service industry i think people are paying us to make work and i always feel bad if someone's paying me and i'm not i'm not really delivering like uh you know the value that th- that i think they're expecting so for me, I don't want to, like, phone at home. I don't want to do it because it's easy and I know I can and someone likes it. And, you know, I, I guess I want to be bringing value if I'm going to be doing anything. And if I don't feel like I am, then I don't know. I guess I would rather not do it.
0: Yeah. Have you have you ever, ever consciously taken the decision of, like, pivoting or taking a different direction or was was it more for you like a like a normal transition into something or it was naturally happening because you mentioned all the all of these audits which i think is really important to to you know to stop from time to time and understand whether and, and take a minute to to see whether the things that you're doing are still bringing you joy and if you're still really good at it or you're just doing it because you're doing it um but what is the decision that comes after, right? If you if you have done this at some point in your career, um, did you made a conscious decision towards taking a different direction, or was this something more organic that happened in your life and in your path as a creative?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 kind of both, um, and I think it's an ongoing um, it's an ongoing like internal discussion too. You know, I, I mean. I think the other part of this is, you know, you spend so long in one one universe of um, of work and creativity, and it's it's sort of sometimes a bit hard to see what you could or can do completely outside of that, mm. or if you know what that what that looks like. So, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of both. I definitely I think the transition happened a lot when I moved to the United States, and mm. I you know I just didn't have. I'd been in a studio shared studio space when I was in Cape town and I just was surrounded by our friends and um, other creatives. And, um, and then when I moved over here, you know, the first year I was here, I was like, I was working and living in this apartment and you know, my wife was going to work and suddenly I was kind of like just by myself all day. And, and then I was just like, it just gave me way more time I think to just really be like, am I actually really enjoying this work still, you know? And, and if I'm not like, like what else is there? What else could I be doing? Um, and I think I just started to feel like it. it wasn't bringing me as much joy. And I think a lot of what I had loved, I I think what had been filling in a lot of the spaces of joy for a little while had also just been community. Um, so the people I'd surround myself with before and, and so I started to think like, you know, really look at it and be like, what are the things I'm kind of missing? Um, and, and, you know, how do I get closer to those things within what I'm doing? And so, you know, I think when we're freelancing, we work for ourselves. there's Mm. sort of this weird sense of that's immutable. It's like, Oh gosh, I'm a freelancer. And that's how I define myself and getting a job. It's like, feels like, I mean, I don't want to say this, everyone feels this, but, um, you know, there's almost a weird sense of failure about the idea of trying to get a job because you're like, Oh, I should be freelancing though. And it's not like I didn't have a successful freelance career, but it just started to become like there's other versions of this that could be just as interesting and, you know, new and and challenging in different ways. And so I started to get more excited about the idea of like working in a studio and, um, you know, working with people in a Mm -hmm. team and and doing bigger projects and doing things that I couldn't really do by myself. And I guess the other part of this is I also started to realize that the jobs I'd loved the most over my career had also been more branding focused and not because I like inherently just building a brand or a logo. It was because I was more relationship based. Um, you know, the freelance lettering world, a lot of it's like editorial or advertising. So it's like yeah. you're in there for two weeks, three weeks with someone and then you never speak to them again. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I'd had these really beautiful uh, relationships with clients that had gone on for like 10 years where I'd done branding for them. And it was just such a like, different feel and experience of helping someone build something much bigger. Um and so yeah, like I think I think that's where I started to get attracted to the idea of like going into a studio, working with a team, um, and then maybe working on more branding projects where it could be a bigger bigger outcomes, um, more longer term kind of I think things that would just last a bit longer, you know, that would still maybe be around in, in five years instead yeah. of you know, um, as yeah, like all these things, I think just coalesced, and uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on for a long time about this, but um.
0: no, and I think it's also really interesting that when you when you speak about the the audit that you that this audit or I call it audit of your yeah. own career uh, um, that you did for yourself, you didn't only include or you didn't only had into account have into account the creative side of your work, but also, you know, who are you working with, who your clients are, who is the people that I interact with every day, right? Because this is also part of like enjoying your work and really um, feeling fulfilled by your, um, by the work you do, right? But I want to go back a little bit and kind of like understand where are you coming from? And also, I think your our listeners will be really interested to know how did you ended up you know going down the path of illustration and creativity and graphic design? So I want to go back a little bit to your roots and understand you know what, what how was your life growing up and what you, what does your family look like? <laughs> wow.:
1: um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean uh, I love these conversations outside of you know I, I think someone like you outside of the United States because I think you know, the industry is so homogenized by people who grew up in the U S and studied at certain schools and, you know, got jobs in certain New York studios and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's amazing, but there's just this whole other world of people who came in this and such a different door. Um, and I feel like that's kind of, you know, for me and for a lot of other people, I guess it's, it's how it happened. so, I mean, I, I grew up in Cape town in South Africa, um, you know like I think a lot of kids like I you know my, my family didn't have that much money we, we weren't like you know badly off but we were just like you know normal normal family living in, in Cape Town South Africa very like a whole world away from any of this um, and anything I could have ever kind of foreseen um, this becoming I guess um yeah but yeah I think like a lot of kids uh, I think growing up I wanted to I wanted to do a lot of different things I was really I wanted to be a psychologist for a while I I really wanted to be like a an architect I wanted to do all these things and and funnily enough like now my job is kind of talking a lot instead of designing a lot so maybe psychology is kind of coming into it but um (laughs) yeah but I think I wanted to be an artist and a psychologist and all these things but then I just had no idea you know and and the world is really different then I mean I'm almost 40 so this was like pre-internet you know i couldn't just go online and like find the cool accounts of of things i was inspired by and and like download photoshop and like learn stuff so you know i i went the old school route of just going to like one of those career council things where Mm. someone was just like oh you seem to be kind of good at this and this you should look into graphic design and i didn't even know what that was Um, (laughs) oh and so that was a lucky shot
0: that was a lucky shot
1: I know, it's crazy. Um it's almost like those uh things work. Um Yeah. But yeah, so then I just to make a long story short, I, I took a bit of time off after school, but then I, I did actually just apply to this advertising school because that's all we had. Um we didn't have like fancy design schools, so it was just like you could get a diploma in design from an ad kind of yeah. school. And I I went there and I think it was just I think discovering well, like I think uh, consciously discovering design is, is where a lot of people who get into design get inspired, right? Where it's the stuff you've always seen your entire life. You've just literally never thought about it until someone points it out that like this is design. This is typography. This is like, um, you know, there's all these ways of thinking about these things and approaching them to to do certain things and kind of create certain emotions. Um, yeah. And so I think in college, I it wasn't like a particularly comprehensive course, but I mean, we obviously looked at a bit of the stuff, but I think that's where I started to get really interested in typography generally, you know, I've always been someone who reads a lot and I talk a lot. And, um, and so, yeah, I think just realizing, you know, kind of like starting to understand the power of, of typography as like a design tool got me really interested in it. So that was probably the origin story of, of that part of my journey. But then I didn't like formalize any of that for, for years. So um, so I guess like fast forwarding, um, I got out of school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, cause I think it was like, I knew there were lots of types of design, but it was kind of like, I don't know what kind of design I want to do. Um, and so I did a few different jobs and, and there were some wild ones, um, uh, in the beginning, but I kind of did some, some just kind of classic design work for this, for this guy for a while and got a bit burnt out on that. And then I went and worked at like a, a web design studio for a bit because yeah. again this is in south africa i guess there's no there weren't well particularly in cape town there weren't really big like cool design studios mm. you know you could go work at like an advertising agency or you could go work at like a web design studio these kinds of things but i feel like they weren't like really great like mix of just cool design and brand studios that you you know now find all over the world i guess um do you, do you so, find yeah,
0: when you look back do you find some value in having had those jobs back then even when they were not really huge design studios or brand agents oh my gosh
1: yes absolutely I, I tell like everyone i think all like students everyone should just get work before they go freelance you know even if yeah. that's your dream i think you just learn so much and so, un- so much unexpected stuff but mm. i think what i did was so I worked in this web design studio and then I got so burnt out because it was also early days of, of web. When I say burnt out, I don't mean like physically burnt out. just I got tired, <laughs> tired of the jobs. Um, but it was like early days of web. So, you know, it was like opening up a Photoshop file and it was like 800 by 600. Um, <laughs> it was really bad, you know, like if you were lucky, you could try to do some flash animation. Um, <laughs> that, was,
0: that was really advanced.
1: I know, it was, <laughs> it was amazing back then. But um, so then one of the things I got kind of into... I think i started to see it was like the early days of like mk12 and these sorts of people um these animation studios that mm-hmm. were coming out and doing sort of motion graphics and so it's since like my third year of college i've been kind of into this and i've been experimenting with it a little bit and so i got really into into the idea of doing motion graphics and so eventually i went and worked at this um at an animation studio and then i was kind of i was directing animated commercials mm. i was doing a whole lot of stuff but i think What was happening, like, kind of quietly and percolating in the background was um, to kind of learn how to use Illustrator better and just, like, have fun. I was doing a lot of artwork and doing shows and painting and doing all sorts of things as well as this, working. um, Yeah. But then one of the things I was doing within that realm was just, like, playing around in in Illustrator and just... I I, I didn't feel like I was an illustrator in the sense of, like, creating characters and stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't really know what I want to draw, so... Mm. I'll just draw words because that's like easy. You know, you can just find song lyrics that you like and then try use illustrator tools to like make them look cool. <laughs> um, and so I started doing all of these little kind of type experiment things just to be like, oh, it'd be kind of funny if, you know, if I made this shape and then tried this or like, you know, made a line and then like offset that line like 20 times. And then I had lots of lines. And if you do that with like things, you can form letters out of these crazy lines and they join. and um, and it was really just like experimentation, just to learn the tools and to have fun. And, and
0: Wait, so while were working you, at were this, were you just just uh, just a follow up question? Were you doing this on the side, like because you had all mm. um, like this day job? I guess you were doing the, that yeah. in your free time, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was in my you know early twenties. I had lots of lots of energy back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was I was doing this all on the side and just as a way of. Because I mean the thing is I, I enjoyed the jobs I was doing but they weren't they weren't like you know when you when you're young particularly I think you have a lot of like ideas and you're excited about creating stuff and mm. and so I wasn't necessarily getting that from work so part of this is also like I want to make stuff I'm I'm getting excited about and I was doing that on the side like a lot of people do so um, it was really just experimenting and I think there just came a point where. I started to realize the stuff I was doing on the side was stuff that was really like exciting me and the stuff I was doing during the day, wasn't so much. And they kind of came this point in that studio where I was like 26 or 25 or whatever, um, maybe a bit younger, 24. And it was kind of, I was almost going to become like a creative director kind of position in this, in the studio. And it just felt a bit like, I was like, I'm too young to like, not be making stuff right now I don't really want to just kind of I don't know it was just like this inflection point of choosing like do I stay here and like that could be fine but I'm probably not going to be able to do that much that I that I love or do I kind of really take this moment now to um yeah to try something and go out on my own and I was lucky at the time you know I, I, I just got together with my partner and she was like doing well in her job and and so she was kind of like, cool, I'll support you if you want to try go freelance. Um, and so anyway...
0: Uh... Amazing. So another another one, because I... I sorry sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's so no, funny. No, no. I'm going to connect with another episode that I recorded with Eric Marinovich. Mm. And he, he, he calls his wife his venture capitalist because <laughs> she was, um, she was, you know, paying the bills while he was starting his career as a lettering artist. And now he... He is also pivoting into type design and starting his own type foundry and again his wife comes to the rescue. So that it's always yeah. great to have someone to share life with because things are are easier <laughs> in a way. Oh, I mean, I see that so in so. as well. Yeah, yeah, so much so.
1: Yeah, I mean I I, I mean like Eric's a good friend of mine, but also yeah, I think our situations are very similar. Um, my wife and I've kind of flip-flopped uh, in terms of who's kind of allowing the other one to kind of pursue something over yeah. the years and it, it just works really well to be in a in a sort of supportive um you know healthy relationship where you can kind of just help each other do what you want to do and follow what you want to follow
0: um, yeah shout out to uh, to to good couples and to, to good partners I mean, because they are such a an essential part of like making it in or to achieve some success in your own career and they yeah. often go unnoticed right like i always i always um mention my husband as well in my journey as a lettering artist because he was the one like, helping me set, setting up my studio in germany and mm. dealing with all the the German bureaucracy and kind of also <laughs> making, taking some, making some of my, the most important decisions when it comes to my business. It, it's always yeah. like the, the one person that I ask for advice. Um, yeah, sometimes I listen to him, so sometimes not, but it's <laughs> <you see, laughs> a very important part of one's career. So, yeah, it's definitely important yeah. to have like a partner that really um, to, to lean on, to lean on, to lean back on. Or yeah, yeah, to to count on, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Sorry, so I interrupted you, and uh, you were mentioning that you had this tipping point, and you had a, a very supportive partner, um, and you wanted yeah. to pivot into something that you enjoyed doing, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Exactly. So I think you know at that point I kind of was like, hey, let me try this freelance thing, and then I was kind of like, you know, I'm. I'm I'm just going to go ahead and like the only stuff I'm going to put on the internet because it was like the early days of Behance um, when Behance was first starting out, um, oh, which yeah. was like a, a wild time. Uh, <laughs> and so I was kind of like, I'm just going to put this stuff online and see what happens because this is the stuff I'd like to be doing as a, as a job instead of maybe some of the stuff I'd been doing for these studios and these clients. Right. So it's like, and and so then I, I put all these weird little type experiment things on and, and it was just so arbitrary looking back, but I mean, I guess it was just, again, it was sort of the early days of this. So it maybe it's fine that it was just unconnected to clients or anything. Um, but yeah, I was just, I, I put these little experiments online and then, because again, I was lucky it was just the right time with the early days of Behance, I think was, you know, there were obviously a few of us, I think probably people like Eric were probably doing a similar thing at a similar time, like coming into this, mm. um, and so it just was this, this kind of lucky situation of being there at the right time. And so the behance thing, I got featured a couple of times, which at that point too, there were less people, so it made it more visible and, you know, like a week or two into, I guess, putting this stuff online, like sitting in my little house in Cape Town. And, you know, I, I got emails from, from people from like Nike and that kind of stuff, just saying, Hey, we would love to pay you to just make some graphics for Nike. Like, and at the time it was like absurd. Um, I, mean, it was, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Um,
0: Is this spam or? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just like nothing I ever could have really um, predicted or imagined, you know, would be the situation. And so I just was, again, I I don't even think it was about me. It was just really just like, um, and right time, right place kind of thing. And so, yeah, I think it all snowballed from there. You know, I did some stuff in Nike and it was really just like, their their briefs were basically just like some pictures of my work plus a t-shirt mm. and plus nike or plus the swoosh you know mm. um and it was basically just like hey do whatever you do just like have fun make some weird shit. um and i mean it's like a dream job right like yeah especially when you you're just starting out and you've yeah. never done this before i'd never like you know i didn't even know what to quote they're like oh just send us a quote for what to and i'm like i have no idea like, this is dollars <laughs> You know, I sent a, I sent this, I sent some like amount to them as a quote, and the guy like immediately responds like, "That's perfect." And I was like, uh-huh. oh, did I "Just like way under quote." Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so,
0: so how was the how was the behind the scenes of that that one first um, big assignment? Were you um, asking friends or colleagues how to do this, or were you? even prepared to quote jobs where they're really your, was this really your first job or the first job you were quoting? Um, because I can imagine that you were, you know, you, you wanted to launch your freelance career as an artist or designer and you Mm. were already like setting up the things, right? You, you had your, your website, um, running and you set up. Okay. Um, I didn't have a
1: website. I had a Behance, um, were you doing no, there,
0: client outreach or like connecting with some people and saying? No, hey. okay,
1: dude, I, I knew nothing, um, <laughs> and there was no social media. So it's, I didn't have like Instagram. I think like yeah. Facebook had like just come out like a year before in, in South Africa. It was just like really. It makes really, you sound wild, really, wild-based. really.
0: It makes you sound really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> I am very,
1: very old. Um, <laughs> but no, I didn't. I didn't know any better, and I think also just being in Cape Town again, like I didn't have a huge network of people that I could just reach out to and be like, hey, cool, what do I do about this and this and this? You know, a lot of it was just figuring it out as I went. Um, And so I think I'd done, before the Nike job, I'd done like one other international job for Mm. some like Belgian magazine Mm. who wanted... um, I forget what it's called, but um, like stereoscopic maybe. They wanted some typography that was done in that that thing where you wear the, the little blue and red glasses and then... It had dimensionality. Yes. So yeah. I, anyway, I think that was the only other thing I'd done. But no, a lot of it was just figuring it out. And I think, you know, I, I think kind of honestly, these uh, these clients like probably knew where I was coming from too. I think yeah. they just knew I was like some freelance dude in the middle of nowhere. And so they weren't exactly like expecting um, some extreme professionality probably. But I mean, I think I approached the jobs professionally. Just I, th- I think they probably thought it was funny that I was maybe trying to look professional with my quotes or invoices or whatever, <laughs> versus yeah. like maybe being the system it's they would be normal um, normally have but i guess i don't know just to not talk about this for like an hour i think what happened then is just that just created this snowball of um you know getting the work getting that work seen you know having the nike swoosh on your portfolio at that time i mean yeah. still today you know it's like they're such a, a big um, desirable client to have so yeah I think having that just led to more of that um and so yeah like I think just the lettering career almost just happened to me because I just I think like a lot of other people it just was the zeitgeist of people getting interested in in lettering as illustration and maybe like the tools becoming I don't know maybe the tools lending themselves like being useful for drawing letters I don't know what it was exactly but you know obviously there's like a few people who are probably around my age or um, came in those earlier days of this that um, we're doing this in different places you know like Alex Rochet and um, Jessica Hish and all these people who have probably mm-hmm. been around for some amount of time or maybe even longer I don't know but um yes yeah, so I, th- I think it just happened at this great time and, mm-hmm. and there was such like an early enthusiasm for it everyone is like excited about crazy typography mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah it was just this really fun thing and I think getting paid to experiment was just really validating too in terms of being like hey I can do this I can do different things and people will see it and recognize it as still something cohesive to me as opposed to like having to have some defined style that's like always looks like this for people to know who I am. Um, And so, yeah, I I was, I was really excited about it.
0: I, I think that, I mean, It doesn't always happen that suddenly after two weeks of setting up your freelance uh practice you get an assignment from nike uh but there's definitely and this is not something that i would say i would recommend everyone starting new to just aim for right Uh, but there's definitely something that that you were still putting out there in terms of like you were trying to put your work out there You were finding new ways, which at the time were Behance was the new way of putting work out Mm. there, right? It was, in a way, innovative and kind of new. Um, And it just brings me back to what you said in the very beginning, you know, this thing of, like, try to get the most eyes on uh, the work that you're doing and... um, have keep on having interest in what you're doing and keep it es- experimental for yourself and you were actually putting those bits of experimentation uh with typography out there in novel ways or in new ways right um and I want to go back or actually touch on the moment where you got the young guns 2011 the it, is it a prize? it is is it called a prize, or is it you were awarded with the young guns 2011 and for those that don't know what it is this is essentially an award that recognizes the the vanguard of creative pr- professionals under 30 and mm. up to 30 right
1: yeah i think it was 2013 but i think it was the Tw- 11th class of young guns maybe so it's like young guns 11 but it was in 2013 which is confusing
0: but yeah. okay so when when you got when you got this award you were you had been doing lettering for some years already right Mm.
1: yeah 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 definitely um
0: i was just wondering i was just wondering what what that meant for you because i mean and i I want to touch on validation here right because there's Mm. different ways of getting validation for your work and you know definitely there's social media we touched on that before there's uh, you know getting validation from your family or your friends or your colleagues and having people recognizing um, the work you do Um, and prices are a way of validating your work so I want to ask you what what did that do for you in terms of um your career or your own perception of yourself um do you feel that this you know getting um that award had an impact on the work you were delivering or the way you were standing in front of the world as an artist Well,
1: wow. um i i mean i i don't know i mean i guess i mean yeah i, th- I think i think it was one of those things where you know, again, maybe this is just from where I was coming from. I think my expectations of of where I would end up, like who I would work with, whatever, were just were just never really set in this kind of big global global mm-hmm. place, right? They were just like you know, I, I think back and like looking at, at books in our college library of like designers and you're like you know, just like Peter Savile and these people and you just like it seemed like a another world where you could be someone who Um, in different countries people might know your work or whatever the thing was and you know it just wasn't something that ever occurred to me as being a reality or a possibility and so Mm. there are all these moments where I think you you sort of like uh, I I think in like you see something happening and you sort of like hope it's a possibility and and, you know it feels like cool and you're like oh like it's crazy and then when it happens you sort of you take it in stride because there's just no expectation that it's going to be continuous. Mm -hmm. Even like the the jobs for like Nike and that kind of stuff. I wasn't like, oh, cool, I've made it now. Now I'm just going to be doing all this international work. It's going to be so rad. Um, It was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's crazy, but I'm sure it's not going to be, you know, happening again. (laughs) And so I think it was like, like, this like, this progressive, just like slight reach, you know, you like like, and your ambitions grow a little bit and then you see this Mm -hmm. thing. And and I think Young Guns felt like a little bit where you know, just leading up to it, it was something I'd always followed. Like, well, when since I found out about it, and it just felt like, wow, this is this is you know, this is crazy. Yeah. Like all these people, you know, to get in this thing, you have to just be at this amazing level, and it's. um, And so it was like a weird thing where I think, um, you know, I, I applied and and then you know when it happened, I would. I, obviously, like I had hoped it would ha- it would happen, but like mm. there was never an expectation. It was always like, oh, that's obviously not gonna like happen though i mean realistically but like (laughs) um you know it's just kind of that thing of like well maybe i don't know like maybe i'll just put it out there and who knows and um yeah and so yeah i think it was it was yeah it was like i mean obviously extremely important and validating um i can't say what it did or didn't do for my career or visibility or whatever like i guess i didn't you know i don't see it as like a before and after i didn't like spend time trying to figure out like what had led from there to where I was or whatever. But, um, I think in terms of those, like just progressive steps of being able to be like, I don't know, like maybe confidence, not the right word, but just feeling like, you know, there's like that seat at the table. Like you're like, Hey, yeah, I can, I can be from Cape town. I can come from a world that, that is so separate to this and, and so not immediately rewarding of it. Cause I do think the American playground of this, like the economy, um, just the amount of people doing this stuff here it's, it's very different you know so it's like having having achieved some visibility from a place like South Africa feels like um, yeah there's a lot of validation there where you're like cool it's like it, it says something um. yeah and again I, I think just so much of what it's about like you know work I'd been excited to make and I think just that you know someone being like hey good job on this thing you liked making yeah <laughs> I think always feels nice you know I don't know
0: what was that, um, you know, you, you mentioned the American market and how things were there and how different things were back in uh, in South Africa. Were, was that an initial motivation to, years later, move to Portland? Or was that, um, you know, a, a result of uh, different different uh, or other things in your life?
1: Um I mean, a bit. Uh, actually, ironically, I first wanted to move to Germany, and um, <laughs> I just, I just, I,
0: you know, I just asked this because I. It, it turns out that many of the of the artists that I, um, I have conversations with in the podcast, they turned out, uh, you know, they they were born somewhere and then they moved to some other city, and that mm. you know that had an impact in their career in some way or another. So I. I wonder, and there is something there. There is something in the decision of relocating that has to do with, you know, looking to join a different community or create a community of some sort. So I, I just wonder what were your personal motivations to move to Portland from uh, South Africa. Sometimes it turns out that it's just. Um, by chance that people move mm. countries, or because their their partner relocates and they relocate with them. Um, but I just wanted to to know how that happened for you.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was it was a bit of both. I think mainly my my I guess now wife and I, um, you know, we we would just spend a long time in Cape Town. Cape Town's a small, you know, small city. Um, South Africa is a small place, mm. and I think we just got to the point where we were like it would be right to like live somewhere else, um and like I said, we were first planning to like, move to Germany and we were learning German
0: oh
2: really
1: um, yeah we we were going to move to Berlin because we had traveled there and we were just like so hyped about about Berlin as a city um oh. and then I think we um you know they just like over a year or two later like oh, well but over time, I think we were like, oh, it might be easier to just move somewhere that's mainly English speaking for like work and that mm. kind of thing um. Cause I think back then, yeah, I can, I I can relate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and so I think, yeah, I had like a, you know, most of my client base was in America. Um, Mm. I had traveled here like a few years before this and, um, I knew a lot of people here. There's such an amazing community of illustrators and lettering people and designers out here. Yeah. And Portland's just like, this really nice city. Um, and so yeah, it was just more that, uh, and you know i i applied for this green card like exceptional skills visa thing which just took years and years and years to get and then yeah. eventually you know it came through and it'd been like so expensive and so long in the making that we were like okay let's just do it you know, and like see what happens um so it wasn't like necessarily like i was chasing down big opportunities so much as like hey like it'd be cool to live somewhere else and this makes sense um mm. and you know there's like this industry and community of people for me there and i think for my wife who's um she's a she's a product manager in, in tech so she works in like tech and um, and so I think it's like a good place for her too and yeah I mean so it wasn't like wasn't like trying to like be ambitious and like chase down the big clients yeah. but it was just it was a little more like an, a fun experiment and uh, an adventure i guess um yeah
0: yeah and um going back to i think before you mentioned something about the current work you're doing as a creative director and can kind of like how you decided to because of you know because of relocating and because of finding yourself you know working on your own at a in in a new city you know trying to find um or trying or missing that connection with other people and you decided to um to um, start working as a, as a creative director in a studio, right? So I want to ask you, how was it for you to go from from being at the front of what you do, you know, when you are a lettering artist, when you're an artist and illustrator, you are a little bit like the the star or you are at the front of the work you do. And, mm. you know, in <laughs> as a creative director, I can imagine that right now you oversee bigger projects and more complex projects, but you oftentimes are behind the scenes, right? So you yes. you rarely get credit for what you do, or you perhaps you get credit within your team, but you don't get that kind of exposure as the artist, as the star of the of yeah. the 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 work, right? Um, so I wanted to ask you how how it is to go from that position to a different one in that sense.
1: Oh my gosh, that's um i love it honestly it's like my dream um <laughs> i'm like i mean this sounds ironic to say now because i've spent so much time talking about myself but i i'm not I, I i'm not someone who likes talking about myself i'm not someone who likes being in the front and like you know um being i guess the feature of things um and i think you know there's there's a difference i think in the world of of being celebrated for the stuff you do in the world that started to feel quite toxic, which is like having to turn yourself into a product and a brand in order to Mm. continue to be competitive. And I think, you know, that's like the Instagram kind of culture of, of what we do. And I just, I was getting so tired of that and it felt so toxic and it felt like, um, yeah, having to like that, that link between, between what we do and who we are didn't feel like, a good thing to me it didn't feel like wow I'm the star of the show It just felt like this is a huge burden because mm. um I need to I need to commodify and whatever my life you know I need to like be on Instagram all the time and posting stuff and making stuff and yeah and making sure it gets seen and visibility so I can get the work, so I can do the thing and, and so I don't mind at all honestly I think I I I really enjoy just kind of participating in something I feel no need to be to be the one getting credit for anything um honestly it's it's not that interesting to me um
0: yeah and i think it's also i i think you're raising awareness towards something that is super real which is like you you are you know oftentimes you become the product of what you do or you become the product that you are selling and that's that's a lot to take right and um and i think i think it's important to take that that distance with your work and understand that, okay, this is, this is, you know, even, even though I love what I do and I really enjoy it, this is, this is work and this is, it is fine to have your boundaries and it's fine not to be, um, not uh, to take some distance of that. Right. Um, so I want to, before we wrap up the the episode, I want to ask you for what would be the two things, if you can name them or you can, (laughs) um identify them what would be two things or attitudes that you feel gave you or made a difference in your career as an artist and designer
1: um i think one thing is you know i mentioned this earlier i think i think it's like seeing it as as a that we are kind of in a service industry i think for me empathy is like such a big thing and this is maybe a bit of a cliche almost at this point but like Mm you know, for the same reason I'm not super interested in the work being about me, it's because the work isn't for me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm a commercial artist. I, th- I think the work I make myself can be about me, but I think realizing that it's that it's a conversation and it's an exchange and that you're working for somebody um, and, by extension, you're working for a lot of the people that, that those people are trying to sort of speak to. Um, I think, for me, that's a big thing. that It has to be an empathy thing. It has to be removing yourself and your ego to some degree from the equation or at least having that be part of it, not the entire thing. And I think the more you approach, you know, the more you approach work and clients with, with like humility and and empathy, I think, you know, the more you're going to actually do something that is intentionally meaningful for them, not just something that you want to rubber stamp your style onto. And so I think that's a big thing. Um, And then again, I think this maybe like situational, awareness of of where your strengths lie um Mm. you know i think part of you know that journey for me that audit is also realizing that like hey i'm maybe not as good at at being the person who comes up with the brand new idea anymore Mm. but what i have now is like a reactive creativity where i can you know draw in like 15 years of experience to look at things and really understand how to improve them and how to talk about them and Oh, you know no. more so than maybe being the one who makes the entire thing myself and i think just being self-aware is like really useful because i think it helps you naturally pivot you know no career outside of freelancing would you expect to do the same thing until you die right like yeah. you'd expect to like slowly grow and get promotions maybe and and do the thing and eventually you end up in a very different place from where you started but there's a weird expectation when you're illustrating or whatever that like you sit, you start here and then you end here and that makes no yeah. sense because your skill set does change over time your your attitude your mind your life everything about it you changes over time and you know like I've made this pivot I know you've you know expanded your business too for pro- maybe some of the reasons but um, I think that's a big thing too it's just you don't have to be handcuffed to the idea of being a freelancer and doing one thing forever you can you can do so many different things <laughs> and. Um, I love that. Yeah, I think that's it's so, important to open yourself to it.
0: That's so liberating. It's, it's it's sort of like you got yourself promoted <laughs> mm. on your own career path, right? Um, yeah. Yes, and I love what you said about um. What you what you said before about um, how working for s- somebody or doing commercial work for clients is not about you. Anymore, And that's also a great way of removing yourself from the work, right? And yep. whereas you are a big part of bringing that thing to life, you can still take distance from that thing and understand that you are actually there to help other people with your work. Because I feel that oftentimes as artists, we, we put ourselves in the center, which, is, which can be good at times, but at the same time, it can be... Um, you know, we, we forget at times that we are here to, to help other people tell their stories or communicate with their customers. And mm. um, and therefore you need to create or you need to develop that empathy for for the people you're working with. Right. And I love yeah. that you pointed that out right now. So before we wrap up the episode, I normally play a game with my guests, which is <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, ever played this game. Uh, it's called Finish the Sentence. So I basically start a sentence and you complete it.
1: Okay. Are you ready? Let's
0: go. (laughs) I'm proud of myself because...
1: Wow. um... Uh, because, uh... Wow, what am I proud of myself for? I I think I'm a good partner to my wife and I'm trying to be a good person and I'm i try to be good to people i don't know
0: (laughs) that's good enough i'm terrible i'm terrible at
1: oh i mean almost everything i mean but uh i really like being bad at things and learning how to become good at them it's my new my new passion um, is being an amateur
0: nice one day i'm going to
1: oh (laughs) sorry i was waiting for more (laughs) sentence um uh, one day I'm going to um, probably move to Europe, I guess. yeah
0: come to Berlin, come to Berlin. Yeah, maybe I'm, Berlin. I'm always chosen first when it comes to
1: uh, I think being being like a therapist to people, like talking through people's problems with them, I think uh, yeah I seem to always get into that position. Which I like, but yeah, yeah.
0: I couldn't do without.
1: Uh, my at this point probably my dog. I mean, obviously my wife, but like we we've got a dog. We she's almost two, and um, I mean she's just the most pure pure thing in the world. So I couldn't do without her, I guess.
0: And I could never get bored of.
1: Oh damn! Maybe my dog again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice thank you so much jordan for being here today uh where can people find you
1: they can't find me um i i'm i'm on instagram uh jordan underscore Metcalf, but I, I don't i don't post that often i guess i'm trying i, I try to break the cycle of of using instagram but mm-hmm. I, I sometimes i'll just post for fun again which i think was the whole point of things maybe yeah. i've made something um I've gotten it carving, so I've been posting those a bit, but oh, yeah. I guess people can, can follow me there, but otherwise I don't, I don't really like to be found. Um, well, they can find me. I mean, my website too, I guess, uh, Jordan hyphen, Okay. Uh, if, so if, I'm
0: not if sure it if it. I, I'm not sure if I should add this to the show notes or not, but, uh, no, you, you I w- can add it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much again for, um, for being on today's show and sharing all of the things that you have shared about your creative path and all the insights that i'm sure that many of the beginners or people who are just starting with their own creative journeys will benefit from so thank you so much again for being there and thank you yeah, so much just... for tuning in and see you on the next episode of open studio bye bye
1: thanks so much martina see you.
0: So this is it. I hope you love this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martinaflor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflorcom slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflorcom slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course,